0: The microphone, I do. Amen. Uh, I I got a call today. Uh, uh, actually, it was a strange call because it's uh, incognito. It was from, I'll tell you who it's from. Did not tell you who it was. It was from someone named Kimsey, Kimsey Angela, Angela Kimsey 706 number, and uh when they came on, they asking me, is this Father Elliot? Is this Father Elliot up here? And as soon as it is, I, I knew the voice. It was uh, Brother John Mitchell from down in, North, in Alabama. Uh, and we sit there and talk for a little bit. And, and uh, you never know what you do. I gave him a Bible years ago. Uh, he loves Cambridge. I had a Cambridge wide margin Bible at the house. And, and uh, I wasn't using it. And I was brand new. And I thought, man, here's a, here's a gentleman. The old man loves it. I just gave it to him, wrote in the front. He said, I was going through his Bible and he opened it up and he seen my name in there, and he said, brother, I just started thinking about you and started praying. He goes, I pray for you every day. Uh, and I wouldn't doubt if he doesn't. I mean, knowing him, he probably does. Uh, and that's probably why I'm in, in half the shape I'm in, positive, because uh, of stuff like that. But anyways, uh, I'm trying to to try to get him up here in November, in the middle of November, somewhere to preach for us. Uh, and it, I think it would be a blessing. Uh, brother Mitchell is, and we sit there talking, and I said, brother, well, he's 80 years old. And I said, we're losing our old preachers. And there's nobody coming up to take their place. Some of you guys are going to have to step up and, and take, take it. I mean, you got to go. Uh, and I told him, I said, brother, you know what the sad part about this whole thing, about you growing old? I said, they're stuck with me. I said, they got me now. And I said, it, that's sad. And he was laughing on the phone. Uh, but we had a good conversation. It's just good to hear an old brother. And he's still in there. He's, he's, got, he's had some health issues, and he's never quit. He's just still ongoing. And what that shows you is that Jesus Christ is real. And what this world wants to do is steal everything from you while you're young and take it away from you so when you're old, you can enjoy life. You can enjoy There's nothing to stop you. Me and Beth, we're going to go on a little vacation. We're just going to get kind of disappear off the, off the grid uh, for, for a couple of weeks. I got a friend down there called me up and said, hey, look, man, you can stay at our house and, and do all your other stuff from out of here and everything. I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, really, you know, you can have fun in life. You don't have to not have fun. But never, never sacrifice Jesus Christ. Never. Because uh, when you're old, you're gonna, you're gonna, that's something you're going to hang on to. And Brother Mitchell is just doing nothing but praising God. So anyways, uh, Brother Dave, I will turn it over to you.
1: Sure. Amen, amen. All right. Praise the Lord. You must not have told anybody I was preaching tonight because <laughs> they came. All right. All uh, right. You know, all that foolishness that I was involved in, and that's just a light way to put it. I got involved in all that because I just wanted to have a good time. I wanted to have fun. 18 years old, didn't want to be told what to do. And I was the guy that took a dare and would do anything, jump out of airplanes, anything, just to have fun. And, uh, boy, the devil's a liar. And like the preacher's already said, uh, said never left anybody better than it found him. And uh, I got saved I was almost 38 years old. And I got saved because uh, preachers showed me from the Bible that hell's real. And I thought, well, is not getting better if that's real. I Sure enough, I'm going there. I deserve to go there. I was honest enough to admit that. And I I called on the Lord. I believed it, just like what it says. I didn't have the terminology and all that. But I knew enough to ask for forgiveness, and I got it. I meant it. And... uh, And then I just started coming. I figured if Jesus Christ would do that, what he did, leave glory, come down here, uh, he deserved a a hearing. You know what I mean? I mean, he deserved me to come and find out exactly as much as I could and see if this thing was real. Now, salvation, I trusted in the sacrifice he made on Calvary, but as far as this church Christianity thing, I didn't know anything about it. And I came to check it out. And I started out by being fascinated that Jesus Christ cared for us enough to do that as I learned a little bit more about it. I was fascinated by the fact, by the fact that God put me in a, in a church full of folks that, that really believed it and, and it had not got over it, and it wasn't dead. And uh, I thought, wow, this is pretty neat. I've been looking for something to believe in all my life. And, and the longer I hung out, the longer I rubbed shoulders, with Bible believers, the more fun it got. Now, there's people that that were skeptical of how long, you know, Dave Spurgeon was going to hang around coming in from the jail and and everything back over 30 years ago. And uh, they had every right to be. And uh, I wasn't coming for them, so I didn't care what they thought. I never did care what anybody thought. Uh, I came, and as I learned about Jesus Christ, It's been over 30 years, and i got to tell you, like the preacher said, I'm having the time of my life. I didn't end up here uh, in evangelism at the end of a spiritual journey. I'm not particularly spiritual. I just got enough sense to know that if Jesus Christ would do all that for the likes of me, I owe him. And uh, man, it just keeps getting better and better. And God give me a wife, and she's the same way. She ain't never got over it either. And we've had struggles, and we've had trials, and we've had rough stuff. And I I wouldn't even... I don't even want to think back to what dealing with the issues of life, life were like before I met Jesus Christ. I mean, I know how I dealt with them, and I won't even go into it. But uh, I'm sure glad to be on this side of the cross and in church... And not, you know, gritting my teeth and trying not to do all the bad stuff so that I can go to heaven. I literally I am having the time of my life. Amen. Amen. It's fun to Amen. be saved. Amen. Amen. Now, I guess a disclaimer for that statement would be: if you got sin in your life, probably not that much fun. But the remedy is so simple. Get that thing straightened out. All right, Matthew 17. Matthew 17 tonight. I came in there from Tiffin, Ohio on Sunday afternoon, preached three times, drove 150 miles, made it in just in time for church, was glad to be here, happened to mention that my water heater had gone out in my home. It went out on Friday morning, my wife and I were getting ready for church, we had to drive up there and start a meeting, we had four grandchildren watch our dog, watch our house, watch something. And uh, and we left them there with no water heater. And the last, the testimony I had of that experience was that when it was time to get ready for church, you could hear screaming from the ice cold bathroom. I mentioned that, and uh, that was Sunday night. And miraculously, Tuesday night I took a hot shower. Don't even ask me how this goes. Maybe now the rest of you can stand up. Matthew 17. Some of them got the cue, so I guess we got to do it, right? I'm going to leave them up the whole message. Can I do that? (laughs) Sit down. What are you doing? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Matthew chapter 17, we're going to read the whole chapter. Okay, no, we're not. Matthew 17, And let's begin at verse 1. The Bible says this, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, Elias, talking with him. Then answered Peter, uh, and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of, out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased hear ye him. I, I got looking at this thing today, and it looks like that was God's way of saying, Shut up, Peter. I mean, maybe you'll look at it and see that later. Verse 6, And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were, and were so afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Uh, Brother Andrew Elliott, would you pray for the message tonight? Amen. All right. You may be seated. I want to say that for you. Sat down. You know, made me feel powerful. <laughs> I'm an evangelist. I don't get to do all that neat stuff. Church, church turned over the church turned the pulpit over to me one time. And they said, all right, Brother Burden, I'm turning it over to you. Do whatever you want. And I got in a book, and I said, can we have some more ushers? All right, let's do that again. That looked like fun, and they all just, you know, look at me. You know what Christians are guilty of? They take themselves too seriously. Yeah. And this book, this passage, what we're going to, you know, bring up tonight, it, it's important to take Jesus Christ seriously. It's important to take his word seriously. But the thing that makes Bible Christianity different than religion is, is we've got to get over taking ourselves so seriously. Amen? You ever think what God... I mean, from my perspective, I stand up here, and I'm looking at all y'all at once. You're stuck with looking just at me. Whatever you think, you think. I'm looking at a whole bunch of people. I see who's picking their nose and all that and pinching their kids. I see it all. And it just... I marvel at the body of Christ. You know, we're so different. And our responses to different things, uh, even the same thing, are so different. Think about his life of God, looking down there on his whole creation. I mean, he's got to be going, are you kidding me a lot? Amen. Here we've got, just like the passage said in verse 1, Peter, James, and John are with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And what we read is about what they saw that no one else ever saw. Amen. They saw Jesus Christ transfigured, uh, uh, like it said. And I'm not going to read that again, but verse 4, there's something I want to key in on. And I'll read it again. And then answered Peter... And said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. And uh, you know, it seems like Peter often felt the need uh, to have something to say. Um, when a lot of times it says that Peter answered, and I, I keep trying to figure out who asked the question that Peter answered. He didn't have to wait for a question. He just saw an opportunity. And uh, I wanna say this, you know, the Catholic saints say that Peter was the first pope. And we know, according to scripture, he never went to Rome, he had a wife. There's a multitude of reasons why he couldn't be the first pope. But just based on what I just said, just based on his need to open mouth and insert foot, he may have very well been the first Baptist. Now, let me say this about Peter. Sometimes what he said was good, very good. I'm not picking on him. It says in Matthew 16 to verse 15, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And, and I did ask a question. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Boy, that's right on the money, too. That's who he is. And sometimes what he said, you know, got him in trouble. In uh, verse 23, on just back one chapter in Matthew 16, verse 23, and, and he, just a couple verses after, he answered so correctly, but he turned and said unto Peter, "Get thee behind me, Satan! Uh, thou, art an off, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men." Might be uh, might be worth doing some personal inventory on occasion and make sure that you're not an offense. Unto God, because you're putting too much emphasis on things that be of men. Like preacher said, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy. It's okay to focus on different things. But the, the, the thing is to keep Jesus Christ first. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. If we can give, give him his proper place, amen. A lot going on. But sometimes he said, Jesus nailed it. He, he, he explained it to him. He didn't just rebuke him. That's pretty serious rebuke. Get be. I'll tell you what, Christians these days couldn't handle nothing like that. They'd be calling lawyers and getting on Facebook and saying bad things. Amen. amen. Right, you guys don't have to respond. I, I'm, I'll just amen myself. I do it all the time. Amen. And, uh, and uh, sometimes what Peter said was right gun barrel straight. Sometimes it got him into trouble like that one there. And sometimes it just made him look stupid. So here we are in the Mount of Transfiguration. And, uh, And then there's Peter, James, and John, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and Elias, and Moses. And I find it interesting that Peter recognized Elias and Moses. He called them out. He saw them there talking to he knew uh, that's another message. Andrew, research that for you. Get back with me on that. And, uh, but, uh, but, it, so he says what he says. I won't read it again, but here's what I picture. Here, here's James and John over here, and here's Jesus and Moses and Elias. And Peter says that, and I could just picture them all turning and looking at him, saying, What? <laughs> Amen. That's when the Lord interceded there. God, the, the Lord God, this is my beloved son. And then he says, here you, him. It's like, shut up. Amen. Sometimes the things that Peter said made him look stupid. But he wasn't stupid. He wasn't stupid by a long shot. i tell you what, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus Christ said unto him and his brother Andrew, and then James and John too, he said, follow me. And he did. He had enough sense. He had enough uh, sense to follow the Lord. Amen. Amen. Bible says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I guess it appeared reasonable. It appeared reasonable to me. It appeared reasonable to some people that God put in my path to be good examples uh, to me. I mean, when the Lord says, follow me, you ought to follow him. Now, everybody doesn't. Amen. There's people in in the Gospels that didn't. Amen. There's people that you and I know that did and then stopped. And some of them are making their way back. Praise the Lord for that. But I'll tell you what, when you get to Peter, don't be too hard on him because uh, when Jesus said, follow me, he forsook his occupation, his family, his religion, and he followed Jesus Christ. And that's why we're talking about him now, 2,000 years later. He's a man, he's got faults, but I'll tell you what, he's one of my heroes. All right. Uh, He wasn't stupid. He had enough sense to follow the Lord. He had enough courage to take a stand when it cost everything. I can relate, man. He's the one that pulled the sword in the garden of Gethsemane. Amen. And uh, it wasn't the right time, wasn't the right place, but I give the guy some credit because he knew as soon as he did, they were, if that would have ensued, the battle he thought, the fight that he thought, they were all going to die right there. And he had said just earlier in Matthew 26, he was willing to die with the Lord. And i am tell you what, I've heard people make all kinds of claims till the, till the going got rough. And the FBI can't find him with a warrant. Here, Peter was willing to... And I'll tell you what, he did. It did cost him everything. And he was crucified up, upside down, history tells us. But John 21, the Lord said, you're going to get it, boy. <laughs> and he did. And he did. And i uh, tell you what, i run into Christians all across the United States. Uh, listen, I don't... That's because that's the only place I can go because of this convicted felon nuisance Thing. I'll tell you this, though, I did get to go down there and preach for Raymond Jones and did a youth camp, and he was courting Lori at the time. And if you ever want to see, I mean, a sold-out, solid missionary whose focus speaks language in Spanish, and, I mean, it was an amazing thing to spend a week with him and his mom, Brother Raymond's wife, Elaine. And, uh, and then when it came time to get on the phone with Laurie up in Oregon, he was like a little kid. I'll never forget it. Here's what I'm trying to say. Raymond and Laurie Jones are solid gold. Amen. Now, I know them, but I've been on the field with the Joneses, and they're solid gold. And if you support them, like Brother Eastep used to say, you're putting your money on a good horse. <laughs> Amen. Do horse race analogies work? I guess they do with our crowd. Amen. And so uh, I know Christians that won't take a stand if it's inconvenient. Let alone if it'll cost them anything. Peter did, though. He had enough character to humble himself <laughs> when he was wrong. And I know Christians that will never admit they're wrong. Even if they'll admit it to themselves. They won't, their stinking pride, their flesh won't. Won't ever let him say, you know, would you forgive me? Amen. Peter did. Peter humbled himself. Boy, that thing, that thing, that dialogue between Lord Jesus and Peter around the fire in John 21. It took him a little while to figure out what the Lord was doing. But by the third time, he said, thou knowest I love thee. And it said he was grieved. And even though Jesus Christ rebuked him over that thing that happened in Matthew 26, uh, uh, even though he didn't, he didn't make him look bad in front of anybody else, everybody else, nobody even knew what was going on. That's, that's the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm glad he's that way with me. Amen. I'm glad they don't put my name in the lights every time I do something stupid. You ought to be too. Yeah. Say, well, I've never done anything stupid. <laughs> well, you're a liar. Yeah. Yes, in Jesus' name, I just called you a liar. Amen. So I appreciate Peter, and Peter said this in, in, in verse whatever it was. Let me see. Verse 4, uh, he said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And I got reading to this a while back, and boy, I, man, I tell you what. It is good to be here tonight. It is good to be, number one, it is good to be in America. Yeah, All right, listen. The communists hate America. The Muslims hate America, right? The liberals hate America. Isn't that right? I mean, that's the way it looks to me. And uh, why so many Bible believers insist on lining up with that crowd is beyond me. And boy, I'll tell you what, we got some that uh, we'd agree on. And uh, 90% of the time, if some of them are just bound and determined that must seem or sound spiritual to just bash America. Brother Mike, I wonder, the ones that came to mind that are real high on that list, they're not veterans. I wonder how many of them, of them took an oath, however, however many of them even saluted a flag. I'm glad to be an American. There's no other place I'd rather be. Amen. Now, in God's economy, I don't know we're better than everybody else. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's good to be here in America. Amen. I am a veteran. Amen. I wasn't in the Navy. That still makes no sense to me. Boat, boat, ocean, fish, ten times. No, that doesn't make sense. I'd rather jump out of an airplane. Amen. But uh, I love my country. And without apology. Yeah. And uh, I love our history. Say, yes, but things things were done wrong. What, whatever happened to learning from your mistakes? Duh. Uh, amen. So I love her history, and I'm not apologizing for that either. It, it does something for me to see the American flag waving against the blue sky. It does something for me. I mean, I've been different places around the country and the mountains, and come around, there's a place coming down, Uh, out of the hills of of western, eastern, southern California, you come around a turn, and it must be a car dealer because they got the biggest flags, I don't care. And all of a sudden, the hills part, and and it does something. And if I miss it, she'll say, look, David, she's the same way. We love it. Listen, if, if, if the flag doesn't have any effect on you at all, And it may not. I mean, it may not. That's not what I'm preaching. I'm just saying, if it doesn't, I feel sorry for you. Because I'm not apologizing. I'm going to say that. That was the last time I'm going to say I'm not apologizing for loving America. Which, actually, I said it again when I said, never mind. Amen. Now, listen. uh, It's good to be in America. I understand. I mean, I know America has lots and lots of problems. Uh, Unbelievable. And, I mean, we're seeing stuff I never, ever dreamed what we'd ever be taught. I, I mean, it's a mind blower. Say, there's so much division. It's never been this bad. And then my wife reminds me, you remember that Civil War? Yeah, it's been this bad before. It might get that way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. I'm just saying it's good to be in America. Amen. Uh, you know, there's a the way I look at it. I know the answer to America's problems. Now, nobody's calling me. The Democrats aren't calling me. The Republicans aren't calling me. Nobody's calling me to ask my opinion about nothing. My wife doesn't even ask me my opinion about nothing. She says, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Okay, that was fun. You guys are, is this a stiff crowd? You would have no clue what I'm used to. You guys don't, don't even try to stare me down, because I can't even see you that well, all right? So, so, I know the answer to America's problems. Matter of fact, I come down I-75, well, went up Friday, came back on, uh, what day? Sunday afternoon, just north of Lima, there's a plastic factory, American Plastics, and uh, there's, I don't know, there's maybe 10, I'm going to say 10 flagpoles with flags from different countries, and every one of those flags represents a country that American Plastics has a factory that they support worldwide, amen? Amen. On the side of that building, it says, Christ is the answer. How many have ever seen it? And, buddy, I mean, years and years ago, I used to drive up and down I 75. I won't tell you what I was doing because uh, uh, I don't remember. But that thing would be lit up at night, and I would remember thinking, what's the question? You know, critical, skeptical. What's the question? Christ is the answer. I found out what the question was. And when I did, I found out what. Who the, I found out what that meant. And Christ is the answer to America's problems. Yeah. Amen. Say, so, Well, do you believe we'll ever have a national revival? Hey, listen, what I believe doesn't even matter. I know this. We've got an opportunity to reach people if it's got to be one at a time. I remember hearing a story. Some of you, probably everybody here has heard it. But some kid down on a beach in, in Florida. is an amazing thing down in Florida. And I don't know what season it is. But there's a time when, I mean, hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of starfish wash up on shore. And uh, we went down there one time. We were preaching for somebody in Panama City. And, and we got to this really secluded, we call it the Christian beach, because nobody's there. It's on the Air Force Base. And, uh, and uh, you couldn't even walk out there. There was just all these, it was nasty and uh, so I understand when this, that happens, and I heard this story, and this kid, he's out there, and there's all these starfish, and they're dying. You know, they washed up. The tide went out, and, uh, and it bothered him, and he went down there, and he got a stick, and he'd get down there on the beach on a, on a, close to the tide, and he'd get that stick under a starfish, and he'd fling it back into the water. And he'd go and get another one, and he'd fling it. And there's an old man there, old guy with a metal detector probably. And, uh, and that kid did that about ten times, and the old man said, Son, you ain't never going to save them all. <laughs> and the kid whew, said, I saved that one. <laughs> and he went after another one. And that's what our job is, and that's what we're going to have to do. We had four saved in New England. Amen. 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 And thank you for your prayers. I mean, I didn't, Amen. me, I know that. But God's not done at all. Amen. Amen. And, And listen, let me tell you something. It's good to be in America. I'm glad I'm in America. And let me tell you something else. Now, we've been to many beautiful parts of the country. We've been in all 50 states. I preached in 45 of them. I was shooting for all 50, but I'm getting old and tired. I don't even care anymore. And then God gave me New Hampshire uh, last month, and a guy got saved there. So who knows? We might make all 50. I don't know. But we've seen things, man. We've seen magnificent, beautiful things. We have friends all over the place. She likes the oceans. I like the mountains. I like the oceans too, and she like because we know who made them all. Yeah. Amen. And we live, and you know, we can live anywhere. And I could, I, that, that sounds braggadocious, but we could probably move anywhere in the country and have a good church. Amen. And tell you what, as I had asked the Lord about what we should do, um, you know, he, tells, he says, hey, man, what's wrong with Ohio? And nothing. Here's what I'm saying. It's good to be in America. I'm just telling you from somebody that's been almost everywhere, at least everywhere in this country. And this is as good a place as any man. It's good to be in Ohio. Amen. Ohioans are more normal than some people. I'm not going to go into that right now. But uh, amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in America. Peter said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And uh, that is, we're going to get spiritual, but I just, because I'm up here, I, I got a chance to say all that. Amen? Yeah. Somebody say amen, or I'll start over. I will. <laughs> okay, good. All right, so now let's get spiritual. It is good to be saved. Like I had to really resist the temptation because usually when I get in a pulpit, the first thing I say is, it is good to be saved. That's kind of an icebreaker. Brother Gip does that every, every service, and I concur. It is good to be saved. I guess if you're ever really lost, you would agree. Amen. Oh, yeah, that is true. It's good to be saved. No, it is. I wake up amazed every day that I'm a child of God. Amen. It is so good to be forgiven, redeemed. I like that. Bought back. I like that. Amen. Amen. I don't understand it. Uh, I was talking to somebody on the phone. Don't take this wrong, but uh, you know, I know especially independent Baptists, some of you are super shoppers. Probably should have waited the pastor wasn't here to say this. I mean, always looking for a good deal. I know women, to go to all the thrift stores and then Bring bed bugs home. I can't believe I said that. And uh, we didn't, we didn't. But uh, let me tell you something. God is not a good businessman. Some of you might be. Some of you ladies might be. You might be able to search out a deal. But I'm going to tell you what. Jesus Christ did not get a deal when he got Dave Burton. I I am constantly reminded that I wasn't worth anywhere near what he paid for me. I'm glad he paid it. Amen. I am glad uh, it is a blessing to be born again. Amen. Is it not? Jesus said, You must be born again. Amen. No Greek necessary, no Hebrew necessary, plain English. It means what it says. You must be born again. I saw this early, early in my Christian life. Uh, uh, it said, Born once, die twice. Born twice, Die once. If I ever saw that before I got saved, it would have went in one ear and not the other, you know, however that went. And uh, I wouldn't have any idea what it meant. But boy, once I got saved, I saw that somewhere, and it hit home. And uh, man, I am glad that I've been born twice. Uh, I understand. We've got an appointment with our maker, and as it is appointed on a man, once to die. But after this judgment, I get that. And, uh, but dying once is enough for me. Amen. Amen. I'm glad to be born again. It is good to be saved. It's good to be washed in the blood. Isn't it? It says in 1 John 1 and verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from most sin. Is that what your Bible says? All right, let me try it again. Uh, Cleanseth us from all them past sins. Is that what it says? It's not what my Bible says. Say, well, what do the other Bibles say? Who knows? Who cares? I don't have time to do that. My Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. That's a big deal to me. I was on the hellbound train. Say, so what did you do? I switched trains. Isn't that simplistic? Amen. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5. Even when we were dead in sin hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved uh, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is good to be saved, beloved. It means we're already there. Say, well, how do you explain that? You know, there's things in the Bible, it doesn't even occur to me to attempt to... uh, Explain. If I could explain everything in that Bible, wouldn't that mean God's no smarter than I am? That is a scary thought. And if any man could explain everything that's in that Bible, that would be a scary thought too. Amen. Amen. I tell you what men do when they come to something they can't understand, they can't explain, they change it. So they can get some credit. Not me, man. I had a prisoner say one time, he said, well, how do you explain Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? How do you explain the Trinity? And I looked at him and I said... It never occurred to me to try to explain it. The Bible says it. I believe it. That's what faith is for. It is good to be saved. It's good to be in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, it's not just an accessory. You know, we have our tracks in place. We have our Bible under our arm. Oh, that ain't what I'm talking about. I don't even know about that. Amen. It's good to be in the Bible. It says this. Go to Proverbs 9. Proverbs 9 and verse number 10. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. And the Bible says this. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Knowledge of the holy comes from one place. God's holy book. That's where understanding comes from. Not Google. Not YouTube. Not some imitation Bible. (laughs) Knowledge of the holy comes from the holy Bible the King James 1611. Amen. Amen. I'm glad I got a hold of that early on. I didn't have to, you know, take that journey. I didn't have any better sense. God in his mercy... I mean, sent somebody to jail because I was never going to come to church. And then I had a, you know, a, a lucid moment and called on the Lord to forgive me. And then when I got out of jail three weeks later, I don't know, I, I went to church to thank the people for praying. The preacher said, people have been praying. I went, seriously? Have they read the paper? Have they watched the news? Are you kidding? And uh, God led me to a little church on the backside of uh, Beaver Creek, Ohio, Charity Baptist. Some of you have been there. And, uh, and people are more concerned about what i had done with Jesus than what I've done in my past. Amen. 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 And I never forgot that. And so then I learned, I mean, from the get-go, I learned this right here. I learned that we're eternally secure. Yeah. I know that's a journey some people have to struggle with. Amen. I said, you can't lose it? And they went, yeah. And they showed me the right one. Cool. And then, and then, study to show thyself approved unto God. Uh, work with them, needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I mean, that was fundamental, foundational. By the time I was in church six months, he'd been, Pastor had been teaching on that in Sunday school every Sunday. And I, you know, like I said, this isn't a result, what I believe isn't a result of some spiritual quest, man. God gave it to me, just like eternal life just is a gift. And then, uh, The King James Bible is the inerrant, inspired word of God. And I'm like, I'm going, okay. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that God put me in a place where I was taught those things. I'm glad uh, to be, it's good to be in the Bible. Listen, John chapter 15. Go ahead and go there because you guys didn't give me any water and I got to take a breath. And if I keep going, so I just make you turn somewhere. And if I really get thirsty, I'll have you turn to Habakkuk and I'll have plenty of time then. I'd probably go to McDonald's myself. Okay. All right. The guy got the memo. Uh, (laughs) John 15 and verse 3. Look what it says. Now this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. All right. We're talking about it's good to be in the Bible. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, I was a motorcycle gang member before I got saved. This may come as a shock to some of you, but we didn't bathe as often as normal people. <coughs> I get, my wife made me sign a prenuptial agreement in case I ever backslide and went back to the bike, no. And, uh, and uh, uh, you know what somebody in the old days would say, hey, brother, you got ring around the collar, and you're wearing a black t-shirt? That means it's time to find somebody that hadn't had their water turned off and take a shower. So yeah, I heard that a couple times. And uh, so you go to somebody's house and you stand there and you never would take a bath because it would look like you're in a river or it was so dirty. And, uh, and I remember thinking after washing, I'm like, man, this really feels good. What am I saying? It feels good to be clean. And then I would say, man, I had to do this more often and then I never would. Amen. But, uh, but uh, and then when I got saved, okay, and then I, you know, I bathed, okay. And then uh, and I uh, get saved, and I started working construction. Amen. Uh, I mean, I told the Lord I needed a job, and the federal judge told me I needed a job. So everything I was good at was illegal. So one of the guys from the church gave me a job, steel building, construction. Here I am. 38 years old, trying to keep up with teenager laborers, amen. I mean, it was wearing me out. The only thing I could do that they couldn't do is I could walk a six-inch beam 30 feet off the ground from one side of the building to the other and instead of having to climb up down ladder because I was a paratrooper. I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of sharks, but not heights, amen. So, uh, so, uh, But we would work and work, and I mean, uh, I... I would get so sweaty and so tired and so worn out and then have to drive back home and I had a second story apartment at the time and there were times I was so tired I would pull up. I would pull up in front of the house and I would think, you know, I don't know if I can get up those stairs. I'm so tired and, you know, I got to just go to work at 6.30 in the morning. I'll just sleep here in the car and Holy Spirit would remind me you get a handshake for that. Thank you very much. And whoever was willing, I want to put in a good word for these guys. Amen. But it cost me my whole complete train of thought. No. And I'd be sitting there. I'd be sitting there thinking, man, I'll just stay down here. And then the Holy Spirit would remind me, say, hey, dummy, you got Bible Institute. And I was going to Bible Institute. Why? Did you think you are going to pr- be a preacher? I was getting ready to be a convict. I was going to Bible Institute because Brother Hanstein said, you know, if you, uh, if you just went to church every night and just hung out, chances are you wouldn't be tempted to go to the places that you shouldn't go. Replacement uh, doctrine, right? So I'd go, and I'm sitting down there, and I'm going, and I would, climb, I would crawl up the stairs sometimes. I'm so tired. And then I'd get in a shower. And boy, that water just wash all that dirt and all that sweat. And now, next thing you know, man, it's like you kind of get energized. And then I'd go to class, and I would forget. What are you saying, Brother Spurgeon? I'm saying it feels good to be clean. Jesus said, now you're clean through the word which I, have thought, which I have spoken unto you. Amen. Let me put it to you like this. If you worked hard and only took one or two showers a week, you'd probably start to smell. Amen. Others would notice before you did. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Psalm 119 and verse 9 says this, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto, uh, thereto according to thy word? We get dirty exposed to this world that God's left us in. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if you don't spend any time in your Bible, you just might start to smell bad spiritually. You know, I don't want God going, oh, they're Spurgeon (laughs) again. I don't want God holding that that sweet-smelling savor. This would be the opposite. I don't want that. Do you? (laughs) Beloved, it's good to be saved. It is good to be saved. And it's good to be in the Bible. Take your Bible. Go to Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. Look with me in verse 1. And uh, it's the Lord Jesus Christ uh, be speaking here. And it says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And the whole purpose of this parable is to emphasize the importance of prayer. If you're saved near tonight, you have direct, you got a direct line to God Almighty. Amen. Amen. You have access to the throne God of grace. Say, how so? Remember that blood? That blood of Jesus Christ? Uh, His son that cleanses us from all sin. You have access to the throne of grace because he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ that allows us to go under the throne of grace and the book says to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Don't worry. you. When you get there, you're going to see me because I need a lot of help. Amen. And I know where to go to get it. Thank God we can go to God in prayer. He tells us to go to God in prayer. The Bible says in James chapter 5 and 16, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Uh, the effects of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, Brother Hansen was teaching a Bible Institute a long time ago. And based on that verse, familiar verse, well, we're familiar with the last half. We're not real fond of confess your faults one to another because then that means we have them. Let me help you with that. You have them. We have them. It doesn't say if, if you happen to have any sins and confess them. No, it says if we confess them because we got them, buddy. It's part of this human thing. Brother Einstein taught us that you would need, based on the first part of that, pray one for another that ye may be healed. He said, if you had spend more time praying for other people, you would need less prayer for yourself. And I'm looking at that thing, and I see it. So you get opportunity every Wednesday night. I've been here. I'm not good. I don't hear very well. And, uh, and uh, I try to make, keep up. But, I mean, people are bringing up all kinds of prayer requests from sicknesses and family matters and lost people and all that. And you have the privilege to take those things sincerely, earnestly, and then pray for them. And that might just be the very formula that God will look at. And like I said, you won't need so much prayer yourself. Listen, I've been places where me, 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 everything is about me, 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 me. And uh, tell you what, if you're the center of your prayer life, you need a lot of prayer. Amen? But uh, God ain't interested in that. All right? So when you pray for, for other Christians, when you heed The prayer request, and like I say, I've been here a few Wednesday nights in the time that I've been here. Uh, When you pray for other Christians, you know what you have? You get reminded that other people have it worse than you do. You know this thing, thank you again for praying for uh, Lillian, my granddaughter. And she still needs it. She's going to always need it. So you got to, like, always do it, please. But uh, And I'm watching how my daughter and her husband, you know, deal with this. And something Evie uh, said, not to any real surprise, they have to go. She has to go to Children's every week, every Wednesday. They have blood drawn, and she was going more often than that for a while. And then she's got appointments monthly. And uh, and she said, Dad, when I go there and I see some of the other kids at Children's, I'm reminded that what we're dealing with, and it's a life and death, serious thing. If you drop the ball in management, you know, of it, um, uh, she's reminded that, you know, that's not so bad. At least it is manageable. And that's what we need to do. We need to be around uh, uh, God's people and pray for one another so that uh, to be reminded that uh, a lot of people have it worse than we do. I, I, it says, the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth. Much And that's not righteous as in justified, as in saved. The way I look at it, it's, it's uh, uh, the effects of prayer of a person that's right enough with God Amen. to get a prayer through. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He'll never leave thee. He, but he's not going to hear your prayers. The only prayer he wants to hear f- from you is, uh, forgive me. Yeah. Amen. And uh, somebody brings a dire prayer request in here. uh, uh, You should want to be able to hit the throne of grace, hit the altar, do however you want to do it, and pray for them. And uh, amen, not trying to figure out, well, what do I need to confess because that's really serious? And no, you want to stay on praying ground. The effects of firm prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I want to be, I want to stay right in it. I'll tell you what provokes me is that woman. Uh, those grandchildren, my children, amen, other grandchildren, I want to be on praying ground for them. Amen. So if you should be able to relate to that because you've got family. Amen. I want to be, I want to stay on praying ground so that I can heed the prayer requests that I hear for you, our church family. Thank you very much. Amen. I want to be on praying ground. Amen. I want you to be on praying ground. Effects of prayer, right, man? I want you to be able to get a hold of the throne of grace on our behalf, yeah. and not because we call it oh, Something happened. I like preventive prayer, man. <laughs> and when we pray for each other, I mean, I don't even know how many things I've been spared, but there's probably a lot because people take people. I, I got people that say we pray for you, amen, every day, and uh, I know I, I don't think I'm any great. Bus driver or nothing like that. We get back and forth across the country. God's good to us. Our stuff holds up as well as it does because people pray. I know that. And I want to be able to pray for you. Next. It's good to be in church. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in church. Amen. Oh, yeah. As cold waters to a thirsty soul. You know how that goes? Okay. Okay. It's good, right. uh, It's good to come where the Lord is, uh, uh, where the Word of God is believed. Yeah. Amen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Many miss, miss many miss the blessing of being faithful uh, to church, and that's too bad. Amen. Uh, because it says in Galatians chapter six, and verse two, "Bear ye one another's burdens." And so fulfill the law of Christ. That's the uh, Galatians was a church. Paul was telling people in a church to bear one another. You follow me? I mean, that's gun barrel straight, doctrinally applicable to us. Bear you one of those burdens. Uh, 1995 was it was when was Brother Mike diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's, Susan? 95 or 96? So I've been saved. Five years I've been in church, maybe four and a half years at the time. Brand new Christian, federal probation. My wife was then married to the to my the dean of our Bible school and our dear friend, Dr. Hanstein. And, uh, I mean, the guy's already dealing with 28 years in a wheelchair from getting shot in Vietnam. And he was the finest Christian I ever knew to this day. And I miss him dearly, just to be honest with you. And, uh... And uh I remember when they were up at the pulpit and I was just in the back and uh they said that the diagnosis from the doctors, the reason for some symptoms was Lou Gehrig's. And buddy, you could feel, some of you were there, you could feel the oxygen leave the room. Because that's terminal, man. There's nothing to be done. I'm a brand new Christian. relatively, a couple of years, and uh, and uh I watched, I sit back, and I watched a church family rally around one of their own, brought over 75 meals to that home, the Hanstein home. Meals that were good for several days. You know what I'm saying? Big roast. (laughs) Peggy Crow, and they helped out with homeschooling the kids. I mean, uh, Susan would tell us about coming home from the VA after a, probably a terrible appointment, because they all were. And there were ladies out planting flowers. And there were men inside doing repairs. And somebody's on a ladder and there. And I, here I am, new to this. Like I say, all this real-life Bible Christianity experience was a gift to me. I just sat back. God gave it to me, handed it to me. God, God forbid I blow it. After good as he's been. And I watched a church rally around a family, and I heard her say later, he said, it it, it would be horrible, a hundred times more horrible to go through this without a good, solid church family. This isn't just some little social event, something we do, punch the clock, go to church, go home. Buddy, this is, it's good to be part of a real Biblical church. Amen. I was out in Colorado, uh, I don't know, last year, and a and, uh, lady owns a shop, and we see them every couple years. We go there and, and give out tracts and witness. And this time, because there was a lot of people in the store, um, I asked, I, and I wish I wouldn't have, I said, uh, Where do you go to church? You know, I'm trying to get a conversation going, you know. And, uh, and it, it surprised me. And she said, "She's from Memphis. She says, "I don't, but God knows my heart." And I thought, "What does that even mean?" I, I did, They got Christian music playing, they got tracks. Oh, I don't go to church in a place that so desperately needs a church. I'm trying to find one. And she said, God knows my heart. And Buddy and Dee, Dee does better than she does, better than you and I do. Uh, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? i tell you what's wrong with some people. They trust themselves way too much. I know me. I don't trust myself. Uh, Brother Howard heard me say in California, I don't even like myself. Say, I don't like your preaching. Join the crowd. I don't either. So what? That's why I'm not up here bragging on me. We're bragging on Jesus Christ. You hear me? Amen. Uh, Listen, here's what I know about people, both sides of the cross. People find a way to do what they want to do. They find a way to go where they really want to go. Oh, I can't afford it. Yeah, right, right, right. People figure it out. Americans are very in, in I want to say ingenuity, but I want to put it, And so you guys figure that out. I don't even want to try it. Amen. But uh, if you're saved, you ought to want to come to church. Shouldn't have to browbeat you. Shouldn't have to guilt trip you. The Bible says the love of Christ constraineth us. We ought to want to come. We ought to want to do what we're supposed to do. Not, not out of, like I say, guilt. We ought to want to do it because we love Jesus Christ. Hey, that's just the way I look at it, but I know this. Proverbs 27, and let me see, verse 17, Bible says this, Iron sharpeneth iron, and so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And it's hard to be sharpened if you don't show up. It's hard to help sharp, sharpen anybody else if you don't come. Amen? As a matter of fact, you'll do the opposite. You'll set a lousy example, and especially for your kids. Amen? I'm just saying. You may not agree. That doesn't matter. I'm preaching tonight. I'm just saying it's good to be in church. I like being in church. I'm not done. Bible says this, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. The Bible says this, and he is the head of the body, the church. <laughs> I get it. I know. Don't get TBDBI on me. I get it. I understand. Uh, who is the church? I'll never get it. I can't say it right. I don't know. I'm not being disrespectful. Don't tell Brother Peacock, you know. Um, uh, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead? <laughs> Jesus Christ is the word done with. That in all things he might have the preeminence. It is good to be in a place where Jesus Christ has the preeminence, where Jesus Christ is exalted. We're not exalting people. We're not exalting buildings. We're not exalting programs. We're not exalting our opinion. I mean, he, the Bible says that. Common sense dictates it, but... That doesn't work. Common sense is not common. So Paul just put it in writing for us uh, that he might have, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful faithful man who can find. It is good to be in a place where people are bragging on the Lord instead of themselves. Most men, most people, all they got to talk about themselves. That's where social media was born. I'll let... Hold on. Let me show you something. Amen, Brother Spurgeon. That's good. I learned to do that in a little Baptist. Okay, moving on. Amen. 2 Corinthians... I'm almost done. I know you are, but I'm almost done. It's in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, this is Paul, My grace is sufficient unto thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness... Most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest Amen. upon me. That's high ground. I'm nowhere near there. Amen, I like smooth sailing. That's, that's all the sailor I got in me. I like smooth sailing, okay, I'm just telling you. But uh, it's good to be in a place it's good to be in a place where you're going to be reminded that His grace is sufficient. The devil won't remind you of that. You skip church. You sit home singing the blues. (laughs) He'll provide the backup music. That is deep. I'm going to give you a minute to write that down because I'm pretty sure that's original with me. Okay. Maybe not. (laughs) I'll tell you what. He'll provide the backup music to the end that he'll convince you that God has not been fair. That's what happens when you get out of church. That's what happens when you get around people that aren't bragging on Jesus Christ and the things he's got them through and Things like that, devil, convince you God's not been fair to you. Uh, I got news for you: you come to church, you hear preaching the Word of God, you'll you you'll be reminded that God indeed has not been fair to you. Because <laughs> if He was, you'd be in hell right now, not on your way. You'd be in hell right now if God was fair to you. And the world and the flesh and the devil will never remind you of those things. But you come to a church that believes that book and preaches that book straight Amen. and you'll be thankful for what you got in on because you got in on something. Amen. It's good to be in a church that'll tell you the truth. Amen? Amen? Uh, I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that holds true for everybody in here. T- tonight, I'm a new guy. I don't know everybody. But if you're in here and you're not saved, well, you're You're on your way to hell. I'm not trying to be ugly with you. It would be uglier if I pretended that wasn't true. Amen. Amen. We just, sadly, 18-year-old young man stepped into eternity. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to assume that he's in the presence of the Lord. That's really a good thing for him. Rough thing for the family, rough thing for the, fr- I get that, I get that. But the uh, Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And, uh, you know, Bible says God no respecter of persons, I'm glad, because I'd have never made it. But uh, neither is the devil, neither is sin, no respecter of persons. And you might be in here tonight, and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ plus nothing and, or minus nothing. You die before you do that. You're going to lift up your eyes in hell, being tormented. And I'm going to just say to you as I try to wrap this up, it will not be good Amen. to be there. Amen. And I wouldn't risk it. And Jesus Christ did everything necessary. God did everything necessary. To make a way for your sins to be forgiven. The Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And in Titus chapter 2, the Bible says, uh, looking for the blessed open and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Amen. everythings it's all been done. I remember this. I don't know if I told this last time I preached or not, because it's all a blur anymore, but one year, man, back in, the, back in the, I don't know mid- 90's, somebody had a birthday, and I took my little girl that just had a little girl, and uh, went somewhere and got a present, you know, appropriate present, you know, that means like under two dollars back then, and wrapped it up, you know, which probably was a sight to behold. took her to the house she's about five, sent her in, and I uh, said, I'll be back in an hour, and so she went in, and she came back an hour, and she's got the present, and I said, you were supposed to leave that with the little girl, and the little girl, she was not having a good day, because, you know, they got the wrong princess on her cake or something stupid, you know how kids can get, they learn it from their parents, by the way, and, uh, the little girl's mad at her mom because they got the wrong princess. And, and Evie goes, yeah, happy birthday. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. She wouldn't take it. And an hour later out, she comes with the same present. And it was gift-wrapped, and it had the girl's name on it, and it was paid for, and it was signed, sealed, and everything but delivered. And I opened the trunk and put it back in the trunk, and that's the way the gift of eternal life is. It's, it's paid for, man. By the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and it's offered, but it says to as many as received Him, to them gave He the power. gave To them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even unto them that believe on His name. And you can have it here till it's coming out your ears. Amen. But if you've never acted on it, it is my duty as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ to encourage you. Think about it, pray about it, examine yourself, and make sure you got it. And if you're not sure, man, we got men, women, we got teenagers in this room that could open a Bible and help you with that. And why would you miss that? Preacher, come on. Amen.